Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. You know, for this December and what is also called the Advent season, we have been looking at Matthew's Messiah. Uh, how Jesus is portrayed and proclaimed through the eyes of Matthew. And this week, we're going to be looking at two separate scriptures. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, and then Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And the tag I'm putting on this for today is Jesus calls sinners and commissions saints. Jesus calls sinners and he commissions saints. Father, thank you that we get to be in your word today. And I pray, Father, that as we get in, you would open our understanding and our eyes. That we would see clearly and hear thoroughly. Lord, so that we can follow intensely. And so we commit ourselves to you during this time in the word. In Christ's name, amen. Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to read it in just a moment. Matthew is chronicling, he is telling his own story about how he came to Christ. He doesn't make a whole lot of fanfare about it. And it's interesting of where he places his calling. He couches it in Jesus' conversation about discipleship. And if you were to go back and look in chapter 8, <clears throat> you, 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 see him, you see him healing many, but then you see Matthew takes the time to talk about Jesus talking about the cost of discipleship. And that although he calls out for those to follow in chapter 8, he actually warns about following him. He warns about the cost that is coming when you choose Jesus. He warns that it is not going to be an easy road, but it's going to be a road that he calls you to. And he does that as there was one who was saying, I'll follow. We get things like, and it's not going to be up here, but in chapter 8, verse 19, and a scribe came up to, and a scribe came up and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Verse 20, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He is saying, you may be homeless. I don't know about you, but in no society is that an enticement to follow anyone. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. He was saying, if there's anything that you must do first before you choose me, you can't choose me. I must be first. And so he gives this cost. 
that there's no easy believeism in Christ. Say a couple of words, live like you want, continue your own preferential lifestyle, and call yourself a follower. He says no. And so he puts that in this story as he's talking about the authority of Jesus through his demonstration, through his miracles and his healings, what Matthew was telling him is that Jesus has the authority, and through that authority, he is calling us to follow. We get the story of the, the men with demons that he heals, and then he heals the paralytic, showing his authority, both to forgive sin and to heal. We get that. And then couched in there, Matthew puts his story. Why? Because Jesus does warn us <clears throat> about following him, not to see if it's worth it, but to see if you're up for it. He said, be up for it when you start to follow, because it is worth it. Because we know that, that as we're going to see later, Matthew was first called to be a follower before he is anything else. And so this morning, I want to say Jesus calls sinners. And there's a reason I chose that Jesus calls sinners. Let's read the text, starting at verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, and on from there was the paralytic man that he told to rise, take up your bed and walk. <clears throat> As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I love that. And so we get this scene that <clears throat> Jesus finishes this major miracle that just blew everyone's mind after the actions of some friends blew everyone's mind as they ripped a hole in someone else's roof and dropped this man down. And as they dropped this man down, Jesus heals him by, by, by first saying that your sins are forgiven. And, and they were like, hold on, partner. Whoa, 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 whoa. How are you going to forgive? Only God can forgive sin. I love Jesus' response. Probably like, yeah, and? And so he said, which is easier? Tell him to get up. Or what if forgive sin? But so that you know, he did it so that you know that the Son of Man, and when you say the Son of Man, that is Jesus, I mean, God coming in flesh, the God-man, when it says, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. That's why he did it. Jesus is proclaiming his authority, but he tells them, get up, take up your mat, and go ahead and go home. And the man gets up, and of course, everyone is shocked. And so he says, as he goes on from there, he leaves there, 
We know other things happen, but the thing that Matthew wants to focus on on this Messiah is that he sees someone that everyone else wishes they would not see. You have to understand that. Matthew was sitting at his tax collection booth. It was a booth that many of the Jews dreaded. Why? Because it was the place where customs was collected. It was a place of corruption. It was a place of greed. It was a place of people abusing their right and authority. Not because they were collecting taxes, but the whole scenario around tax collecting in Rome. Rome exacted major taxes from the people. It's how they ran their machine. And the people hated it, but how they did it to the Jews was even worse in that they chose some of their own and allowed them to set up, <clears throat> really, customs booths so that they can collect all kinds of taxes on things, and they let them almost have free reign. Yeah, they had times they had to try and rein it in some, but they allowed them to do as they want. The Roman government needed their money but after that, you can do what you want. And leaving it up to us as humanity, without Christ checking our hearts, when, when, when we are left to do what we want, we are going to use and abuse. And that's exactly what Matthew and his buddies did. They exacted more than they should have, taking a lot from people, See, we know this because there was another tax collector that Jesus saw that everyone else wished they wouldn't, a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And you get it in another scripture. And we know his heart was changed because when Jesus came to his house, when Jesus came into his life, what was his first response? His first response was, I'm going to give back what I stole. If I've wronged everyone, anyone, I'm going to give it back four times. Some theologians actually say and believe that at that moment, because of what Zacchaeus divested himself of, he changed his financial status drastically because he gave away a huge portion of his financial wealth because he realized in part how he obtained it. And Matthew is no different. And Jesus walks up to him and doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't deal with his status. Because understand, they did have financial status, although society, Jewish society did not like him. And especially the religious elite, they really hated them. It's interesting because this was the other side of the same coin. In that here they were religious, but they were an elite group as well. But they saw themselves better than the tax collectors. And were making themselves rich and wealthy off of the people as well. But they were doing it in the name of God. And so you had these two groups. It's interesting. Both needed Jesus. Only one responded to him. And so Jesus comes along and it says he sees Matthew at his booth. Please hear Matthew's words. He sees Matthew in his mess, 
at right where everyone hated Matthew, Jesus saw Matthew. Why? Because Jesus calls sinners. See, some of us right now, we believe that if Jesus were to come today, he would probably stop by my house. Because I'm cool with him. I'm good. Some of us, we probably even felt I deserved for Jesus to look my way. Because of the kind of life I lived. I wasn't all that bad. Yeah, I needed saving, but Jesus didn't have to dig that deep with me. See, the issue becomes, Matthew knew that people hated seeing him. And was shocked when Jesus, who I'm sure by now he had heard of, not only saw him, but spoke to him. Not only spoke to him, but gave him a command. And I love it. You talk about savage. I love how Jesus, he walks by, looks at him, and just says, follow me. What? Wait, what? Like, 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 it's no hello. It's no what's up, Matthew. I know you got a lot of money. Yeah, I know folk hate you. I know. It, it, none of that. Why? Because at the heart of Matthew's issue wasn't his finances, wasn't friends, wasn't family. He needed to be a follower. And for us today, the central issue for you is are you a follower or not? See, Jesus is not calling you to get your destiny. Come on and I'm going to give you your best life now. Come on and I'm going to set you straight and set you up. You know what Jesus says? When he first comes to you and me, follow me. Plain and simple. Why? Because we're sinners. Are we any better than Matthew? No. Even though people may love seeing us, even though people may enjoy being around us, if you have not trusted Christ, if you have not had your sins forgiven, you are not a follower. And he calls out to Matthew, and I love this. He says, follow me. And I love this. Understand, this man is making his money at that time, sitting at his booth, doing his job, going about his life. And Jesus comes by and just says a few words, and I'm supposed to respond? Do you know who I am, Jesus? Follow me. And I love what he says. And he rose and followed him. Now, Matthew was talking in the third person, but he's talking by himself. He was probably shocked as ever because folk had now heard about Jesus. The news of him has started to spread. And now he comes to him and he said, whoa, he called out to me. I want to take y'all who are following Christ back to when he called out to you. Whether you were sitting in a service, where you were by yourself, where you were reading something, where you heard someone was talking to you, and all of a sudden it hits you, I need to do this. And it didn't matter at that point. Whatever Matthew was doing, it didn't even matter. Jesus called. Let me ask you guys right now. Is Jesus calling out to someone here today? You hear his call through this message, or you heard it this week, or you saw it through something, how are you responding to his call? 
I love what he did. He didn't say, yes, Lord, and then just stayed and did what he did. This is what I like. He did not, you know, give him words back. Okay, Jesus, I'll follow you. Now, remember, that's what the guys in chapter 8 did. Lord, I'll go wherever you go. And Jesus was like, really? I'm going to be homeless. Are you willing to do that? Or the other guy. Um, well, 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 Jesus, I, Jesus, you good. Man, I love you. But let me first, let me first collect my inheritance. That's what let me bury my fathers. Let me, let me first get all my stuff together. Let me wait. See, so his, his dad hadn't just died, and Jesus was saying, nah, you can't have your dad's funeral. He wasn't saying that. What he was saying was, let me wait, Jewish custom, for my dad to die. I got money coming. And when he does, I'm straight with you, Jesus. It doesn't matter. I got my stuff, so I'll follow you. No, Jesus said, no, you, you, your, your money is in front of you, homie. You, you, you can't follow me because you're waiting until you get something. And so that's not trusting me. That's trusting whatever you're waiting on. And so he says to him, let the dead bury the dead. Let those who are dead and will remain dead wait on that. But for you, follow me. I love Matthew's response. He wasn't waiting on anything. He didn't even say, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, Jesus. <laughs> I got a transaction coming in just a few. If I can just get this straight, I'm going to be with you in a moment, okay? Scripture says, Jesus said, follow me. And he, Matthew says of himself, he arose. And that talks about a change of position and status and a change of mind. He arose or he rose up. He got up. And followed. Simple. Changed his life forever. And then Jesus comes in and fellowships with him. Jesus calls sinners. So what happened? Matthew comes and, and, and he is eating and reclining with Jesus. That is a sign of fellowship. Remember, that's the same kind of reclining that Jesus had at the at the Last Supper, they were reclining around a table. That's what they did. That was fellowship. That was close friendship. That was relationship. Jesus was now in relationship and relating with a group of others just like Matthew. One of the most hated groups in society, Jesus was sitting around the table having a meal with. Can we translate that to today? Now, please, let's not get this twisted. Let's not get this wrong. Jesus wasn't hanging with them to be one of the boys. Let's not get this wrong. See, Jesus was hanging with sinners, so what's my problem? Because he wasn't one of them. Jesus wasn't trying to be one of the boys. He wasn't trying to help Matthew be a better tax collector. Jesus was in a group of those who weren't following to be an influence for them to be followers. Let me ask you, in the groups that you're hanging out with, are you just one of the boys, one of the girls? Or are you an influence for people to follow Christ? We want to say, hey, I, I, can, I can be among sinners. Yeah, you can. But if you're living like one, we got an issue. And what he calls to you and I and says, Hey, Jesus gives us the example. Be in it 
but not of it. We use that a lot and we say that a lot, but we don't live it a lot. He says, you can be around it because how else are you going to be salt and light? You need to be in it, around it, but it cannot influence you. You must influence them. And if you're not in a position to influence them, don't be among them yet until you grow up a little bit. So Jesus is amongst them. And what happens? As they reclined, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus. Matthew was inviting all of his friends. All of us, but come on, man, Jesus is waiting to meet with us. And you would think the people who claim to know God would be excited. We came in here and we had a church full of folk that the world hates or even that religion hates. I didn't say who Jesus hated. I said who religion hates. And they're not up in here so that we can let them do whatever their sin desires. We're here being an influence. And there will be some religious, not followers, who get mad. See, because I guess in their eyes, they believe Jesus calls saints. He doesn't. He calls sinners. He doesn't call good people. He calls sick people. And so we get upset when folk walk in the door. Man, they all messed up and all sick. Isn't that what happens? See, that's like expecting people that walk into a hospital to walk in fine. Why are you here sick? What's wrong with you? You sick. I, we'll be like, hold on a second. I thought this is where sick people go. And he says to us, and this is an example, Jesus calls sinners. People that are sick. And so the Pharisees, and I love this, man, you know, and, and, and sometimes... <laughs> They got on my nerve a lot, but, but this particular time, you, you, they didn't even have the nerve to go to Jesus himself. That's what gets me. If y'all that bad, go to Jesus. They go to his followers. They roll up on him, hey, 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 I just, why, why does your teacher sit with all these folk? I would have been like, why don't you ask him? And said it loud, but Jesus heard him. Whether he heard it audibly or he knew it through their hearts, it didn't matter. He could read both because we saw it. And what ends up happening, they come up and say, well, well, hold on. Why does your teacher, and what? And really, that's an indictment. Why does the person you follow sit around these kind of folk? Because isn't that, that's, that's not godly. That, surely that can't be God because we know what godly is like. Is interesting too, because this is the group that felt that they were doing God's business when they decided that they were going to kill Jesus. I thought, wait, wait, I thought that y'all were following God. When is murder cool? But that's what happens when you are delusional and you fool yourself into thinking you're following God when really all you're following is your evil religious heart. And so we see here, what did he say? He says to them, verse 12, but when he heard it, said it to his disciples, but he heard it, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
That's both an indictment and the truth. The indictment is the Pharisees did not see themselves as people that needed saving. They weren't sick. They didn't need anything. We're good. That's a warning to you and I. Out there, I'm good. I don't need Jesus. I don't need Jesus to lead my life. I'm good. God says, you're right. You, 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 you don't need me because I only come from the sick. Only come from those, only come for those who realize their need. If I think I'm good, I'm not going to the doctor, even if I'm not good. Many people today, no, nah, I'm good. Stuff's not going wrong with your body, no, nah, I'm good, I'm not going. Signs start showing, no, nah, I'm good, I'm not going. And then when it gets desperate, oh, Lord, why didn't you help me? Gave you some clear signs, bro. You didn't need me. Now you on death's door and you calling for me. God says those who are well, who think they're good, don't need a doctor. I'm for those who know they are sinners. Jesus calls sinners. And then he quotes Hosea when he says, go and learn what this means. And they should have known it because it was, it was Old Testament. It was scripture. That was scripture then. He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He says, y'all are out here making every kind of sacrifice under the sun, religious leader. But you can tell your life has not changed because you have no mercy. You have no desire for the lost. You don't want to be around those who are sick. You don't want to be around those who need saving. Thus, it tells on you. He says, I desire. And I love that. I know they were thinking, well, who are you? And he was like, you're going to learn. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You up here making every kind of religious sacrifice in the world. You showing up to church. You coming to all the meetings. You even reading your Bible. All of it. Lord, I'm making a sacrifice for you. And God said, your heart is as unmerciful as ever because it's not changed. Because you think you're better. And Jesus says to you and I, if you're sick... I'm your doctor. If you're not, I can't help you. If you're sick, Jesus says, I'm your doctor. But if you're not, you have no need for me. Let me ask you, are you going to allow Jesus to be your doctor? Save you from your sins? Heal your spiritual sickness? Before anything else, are you going to rise up and change your position and follow him? And then lastly, Jesus commissions saints. Hang on with me. We have just a few more minutes. We're not going to spend as long in this one as the other one. Verse 18, at the end, as we know, Jesus has now resurrected. Jesus has now been with them. And he's getting ready to leave. And he begins to commission, and these are saints. These are those disciples that have been with him, that have followed him. And here's what happened. Verse 18, chapter 28 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven 
and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. And he's talking to those who are currently disciples. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Did that today. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, or look with amazement, I am with you always to the end of the age. Like how he starts as off, Jesus commissions saints. Understand that the commissioning of us is under his complete authority. Jesus is not sharing it with anyone. You're going to come out and say, I have Jesus' authority. No, he has the authority. You've been commissioned. Yes, you have authority under him, but if you are outside of him, if you are not recognizing his authority, if you are not recognizing him at all, and you recognize the him as Lord by following him, if you're not doing that, you are not living under his authority. He says, all authority in heaven and earth is mine because he's now resurrected. And because he has authority, he does what people with authority do. They commission others, and with that authority, he uses it. How does he use it? Go. He says to go and make other people like you. And then he tells them how they're going to make them. Go and make other people. Go and make disciples. See, believers, saints, don't sit in a little Christian club having fun on Sunday and excluding themselves from the world Monday through Saturday because we're better than everyone else. He says, go, get out of here. Well, where do I go? It doesn't matter. Wherever you go, because you're a follower of me, you're going to live like me. But he says, go. Okay, well, what do I do as I go? As you go, wherever it is, to your job, with your family, with your friends, on vacation, as you go, make disciples. Your mission, help others to become followers of Christ who are leaning in. How do I do that, Lord? Number one, he says, baptizing them. I love that. Well, what does that mean? One, helping them to come to a profession of faith and then proclaiming it publicly through baptism. That's what the baptizing them. And then he says, and teaching them. So it just doesn't stop with baptizing. We have an ongoing mission with our young brother, Miles. Because Jesus said, baptize him. We did that. Did the verse stop? No. It says, and teaching him and others like him to do what? To obey, I love this, everything. Let's read it. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Two things are assumed there. Number one, you know what that all is. Because you're following it yourself. And two, you desire to share it so that others can follow it. And so our commitment to Miles and others like Miles is, number one, you know, help them to proclaim their faith publicly, baptism. And then to teach them to observe. I like this. Not teach them to know. Not teach them to repeat or recite. But teach them, and that observing means to follow because you've watched it carefully. Teaching them to observe and keep all that I've commanded you. And so we are in the all part. How long does that take? All of your life. 
And as you are doing that, bring others along and teach them all. That process is continual. He commissioned saints. As believers, your main focus and goal, I know we say God has called me to a whole lot of things. Let me start off with the first thing God has called. He has first called us to himself because we were sinners. Come to me. That's the first call before there anything else. Second call, leave from me. And as you leave from me, here's what I want you to do. I want you to help others to know me and to follow me. That's our mission. And then he says, huh, with amazement. He says, look with amazement. I love this. Because behold means to observe with amazement. Let your mouth hang open with what I'm about to tell you. That's behold. Look, be amazed. I'm with you always. You're never alone. You're not by yourself. You're not the only one. It's not, oh, Lord, ain't nobody else here. Ain't nobody else going to do this, Lord, but me. No, he says, behold, be amazed. I'm with you every step of the way. You, look, you can rest assured that as you have followed his calling to come out of sin to follow him, and then you have been commissioned out of him to lead others to him and to teach them to follow, Jesus says, you are right where I am all the time. God, where are you? Where I remain and will always be, right next to you. As a matter of fact, right in you. Lord, I don't feel you. You don't have to. You just need to know. You need to know. I remember a story, boy, years ago. Our kids were young. I promise I'm not going to embarrass them because it's not. And, and, and in our house, I was, they were inside watching TV. And I was outside cutting the grass. Perfect time. They were being entertained by the TV. And I was outside cutting grass. And all of a sudden, they got up and they were like, yo, mom was gone out on an errand. And they were like, where's that? Where's that? He wasn't in the basement where they were. I wasn't immediately around them. And they must have ran frantically. So I'm outside cutting the grass around the side. And I see these three coming out. They were crying and screaming. It was like, and I was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, what's wrong? We thought you left us. It's like, what? I was like, I told you I was going out to cut the grass. But I know, y'all in here because y'all are watching TV. That wasn't important until you looked up and didn't see me. And all of a sudden, I did something wrong. What was the issue? They just couldn't see me. Had I left? No. Let me help y'all. Jesus didn't leave. Do you feel or see him? No. Did he leave? He's like... I told you. And so I actually said to them, I would never leave you. Now, that's true for my intentions. Things could happen beyond me that would cause me to not be there, but that wasn't my intention. That's not the case with Christ. See, he, he couched that I will never leave you with a statement before when he said all authority in heaven and earth is mine. So there's nothing that can happen to him that has greater authority that would cause that last statement not to be true. Understand, I am with you always is couched in the previous statement, all authority is mine. 
And because all authority is mine, no one can make him do anything he does not desire. And so leaving you is not an option. Even when you don't feel it, see it. But you should know it. Why? Because it's in his word. Jesus calls sinners and commissions saints. If you are a follower of Christ, you have been commissioned under his authority. You remain under his authority to lead people to proclaim Christ publicly and then to teach him to follow him intentionally. And so Matthew's Messiah shows us, wow, an excellent example. We are sick and need help, and he's the doctor. We need to be on mission and on task, and he's the leader. Are we going to be healed by him, follow him, and then to be led out by him? If you call yourself a Christian, you will. If you want to be a Christian, this is what you have to look forward to. And it is your best life. It is the best that can happen to you. Don't be distracted by other people's anything. Jesus know what life, he knows what life is, and he has given it to you and I. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.